Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, Let there be a vault between the waters of separate water from the water. So God made a vault and separated water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seeds according to their kinds, and tree trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. Verse 14. And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark the sacred times, and days, and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day, and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and the separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth, across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea, and every living things, with which the water teems, and that moves about in it, according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number, and fill the water in the sky in the seas, and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea, and the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth, and all the birds in the sky, and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. 
and there was evening, and there was and was morning, the sixth day. So before Nick comes up, uh, let me pray for him. So please join me in prayer. Dear Father, thank you for your words. There has been a that we can get this opportunity to read it for ourselves, to uh, study it, and to hear it explained to us. Father, we pray that you be with Nick as he explained the passage to us, that you give him clarity, confidence, and uh, peace in mind to uh, explain this passage to us. Father, please help us as the congregation to respond well and to listen well to this message. And Father, please help us to think through the words, and please help us uh, to apply it in our lives. And Father, we just ask that uh, you be with us and give us understanding. We all this in your son's precious name. Amen. Okay. Hi, everyone. Uh, it's good to see you here today. Uh, I was very encouraged that uh, many of you, uh, I've heard, tried to invite your friends, uh, but, uh, but, it, but some of them didn't come. Uh, it's okay, uh, because this, this is, a, is a whole series on the book of Genesis. So if they don't come next week, uh, this week, uh, you can still invite them for next week. Yeah, so uh, still keep inviting your friends to come. Okay, so uh, when I was young, I used to play uh, card games. And one of these card games is uh, this game where uh, we all have uh, a deck of different soldiers on it. So these different soldiers have different ranks. So at the start, so when each, at each round, we will all put out one card, and then we'll compare our cards to see who has the highest rank. Which card has the highest rank? So the higher the rank, the higher the power of the card. Okay, the higher the rank, the higher the power. But let's change the game a bit. Let's say uh, it wasn't soldiers on those cards. Let's say uh, if it was, we're comparing the most powerful thing in the world. Yeah, so that's what the icebreaker question was about. Comparing the most powerful thing in the world. Which card will you play? Well, maybe some of you think uh, that the tsunami is the most powerful thing in the whole world. So you'll play uh, the tsunami card. Or maybe someone uh, someone uh, will say, uh, no, tsunami isn't the most powerful thing in the world. Uh, my boss is the most powerful thing in the world. He controls my pay. <laughs> right? So then you play the boss card. <laughs> well, today I want to introduce you to a more powerful card. Something, a card more powerful than anything uh, that you can ever think of. Which card is that? No, no, war card. I'm introducing you to the God card. God, the God card. God is the most powerful thing in the whole universe. Uh, how do we know that uh, he's the most powerful? How do we know that he's more powerful than anything that we can ever think of? Well, we know because it's written for us in Genesis. So Genesis is the very first book of the Bible. Genesis is all about beginnings. So it tells us what happens at the very start, at the very beginning of time. And, uh, but not just that, more importantly, the uh, Genesis shows us uh, who, who uh, shows us the main character of the Bible very clearly. Genesis shows us what God is like. Genesis shows us God's character. So that's why uh, if you look at the front of the bulletins, uh, Collie made a very nice uh, uh I don't know what do you call that a logo for us. It's so we, we call this we are calling this series uh, Genesis, the God of Beginnings, because Genesis is all about God. It's all it's all about what God did at the beginning. So as we go through Genesis chapter one today, I hope that that's what we will be thinking about as we look at Genesis one. 
We want to see who God is. What does Genesis 1 tell us about God? And as Minky read, for, read the passage for you uh, earlier today, I'm sure you realize that Genesis 1 doesn't quite fit in um, any science textbook, any primary school or secondary school science textbook. It doesn't say right, that uh, God took the electrons and neutrons and protons and mixed them all together and it formed all the elements of the periodic table. And then after that, he took the hydrogen atom and the oxygen atom and zapped it with electricity. No, there's not electricity. Lightning. Yeah, lightning. <laughs> lightning, and then, and then it became water. No, the Genesis doesn't tell us that. Genesis 1 doesn't say that. Instead, Genesis 1 gives us a picture, an image of what God is like. What an awesome God. What an awesome God we have. Genesis 1 doesn't tell us the process, the mechanism of how God created the world. But Genesis 1 uses picture language to tell us what an awesome God we have. So this is the awesome God that we are looking at today. Let's look at our text from verse 1. So firstly, we see in the first part of the passage that God was there from the very beginning. God was there from the very beginning. So verse 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So verse 1 tells us that at the very, very start, at the very beginning of time, God created the heavens and the earth. God created the, the different domains, heavens and earth. So for God to be at the very beginning, so for God to exist at the very beginning means that God existed from before the beginning. Okay, So that means God existed from before that, uh, another way to put it, before that day zero. So God was already there. So God existed from eternity before time. At the beginning of time, at the start of everything, God created the heavens and the earth. God created the heavens and the earth. So now verse 2 zooms in on what God did on this empty earth. Verse 2 tells us, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Before God started uh, on earth, before God started any work, there was nothing. His spirit hovered over the darkness. And what did he see? He just saw an empty, formless, dark place. The earth was empty. There was nothing. It's a far cry from what we see today. I mean, you just look out the window, you see trees, you see cars and, and all that. But in that day, in verse 2, there was nothing. But this nothing, this empty place, this is the right place for God to be. This is just right for God to begin creating. This is just the right piece of canvas, if you will. Right piece of canvas for God to start unleashing His great creativity. So as God begins His work, see for yourself just how powerful this God is. So uh, Verse 3 tells us, And God said, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. When verse 3 says, uh, God said, it really means uh, God commanded. God commands. So when God, and when God commands, uh, what he says happens. It's just like uh, how National Day Parade, uh, there's, there's always a parade commander. And this parade commander uh, giving commands for people to uh, march or to tzadia or to like, salute, right? For things to happen. And whatever this parade commander commands, that thing, that way, that thing happens. What he says happens. God is like this parade commander. 
So as he gives his commands, as he shouts his commands, as he speaks, things happen. Not that people start marching or, or singing a national anthem or something. No, but something greater is happening here. As God gives his commands, things are created. As he speaks, things are being created. That, is, that shows how God is powerful. As he speaks, like things happen. Like, as he says, light, and light appears. So on day one, God commands, let there be light. What happens? There is light. On day two, verse six, God commands, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water uh, above from water below. Then what happens? And the sky moves upwards and gets separated from the water below. On day three, in verse nine, God commands, let the water under the sky be gathered at one place and let dry land appear. Then what happens? Dry land appears. See, this happens for the, and this happens for the rest of the days. God says, God speaks, God commands, and it happens. It happens wherever He commands, wherever He commands is created. The light, the sky, the sea, the land, all of it created just by God speaking. What a powerful God. He can create the world just by speaking, just by giving commands. But is that all to God's power? Is that when God gave commands, was the world created exactly what he had in mind? Or did God, when God gave commands, was the world created poorly? For example, when he said, let there be lights, was the light bright enough? When he said, uh, let, let the waters separate, did the sky go high enough? When he commanded the sea to go back, the sea go back far enough, was there enough land? Was the world good enough? Yes, it was. Because after God created, God saw, God inspected what he created, and God approved of it. So Genesis Genesis 1 keeps saying over and over again, God saw that it was good. So for example, after creating light, verse 4 tells us, God saw that the light was good. That was good. And verse verse 10 God called the dry, dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. You see, creation was good enough for God. Creation was good enough for God. Well, what does good mean? And when I was uh, practicing with Pastor, he asked me, what does good mean? I, actually, I realized that I didn't have a very good explanation for what good means. <laughs> So good here uh, doesn't mean that some some people think that it's good, some people think that it's not good. So it's it's not a subjective thing. Good here means that when God looks at it, it really, really works well. It's functional. So everyone who sees it, everyone who expects it, will say that it's good. Okay, let me give you an example. Okay, well, I'm I'm not sure whether you could see this, uh, but this this is what I did. Someone told me, someone reminded me, I did this 20 years ago when I was 9 years old. In primary three. Okay, so this uh, was my art file uh, that I did in primary three. So when I did it, I was actually very, very happy. Okay, so like, I'm not sure you can see, like, there's Sonic the Hedgehog here, there's like Tails. I mean, you, you, you all know Sonic the Hedgehog? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, it was, I mean, it's such a, such a cool thing right, in those days for me. Yeah. So I, I did put in so much effort after doing all of this, I thought that this was, this was just excellent, right? It's way past good, right? <laughs> Do you think it was it's good? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks for the encouragement. <laughs> well, my teacher didn't think so. So if you look at the back, I'm not sure you can see it. It's, uh, it's B minus. <laughs> yeah. 
So my teacher didn't think it was that good. Actually, now looking back at it, uh, I only found it because I mean, we were using it to like line our cupboards so that the cupboards don't get dusty. <laughs> yeah, so it's not that good, right? I don't think it's that good. So good, uh, perhaps is better. I mean, we can use it. They use use the word good to describe uh, maybe the bus network network in Singapore. So we know that roughly the buses should come every 15 minutes, and we know uh, that the buses will get us to our destination. So uh, we know that, I mean, the buses are, I mean, they don't break down so, as much as the MRTs, right? Yeah, so the bus network is good. And I think Poon will say that the bus network is good, right? The LTA guy, yeah. Yeah, it works. Everyone sees our bus network and says that it works. The bus network is good. So good uh, in Genesis chapter 1 means that creation is, creation works, creation is functional, creation is good. It's not a bias. Good it doesn't mean bi- uh, kind of a biased statement, like subjective statement. Like God created something and he thought, okay, I created it, so it must be good. No, it was really, really good. And God checked to make sure that what he created was good. So when God inspected light, he saw that it, it, he saw that it was good. So good means light works excellently. It means that light shone uh, bright enough that it was good. So when God inspected the land and the sea that he made, God saw that they were good. That means, good means, that these two things, the sea and the land, they work excellently. The sea went back far enough, and there was enough land. Both the land and sea were good. So God shows his power, not just by creating the world by speaking, but creating the world good by speaking. That's how we know God exists, because he created the world good. So uh, last, uh, previously we were looking at Romans. So let me uh, show you a passage from Romans. So Romans chapter 1 says very, very clearly, right? For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So this, this verse says that creation, God's, the world that God made, tells us that God exists, tells us that God has great power, tells us that God has a divine nature. So all we need to do to know whether this God exists or not is just look at creation. Then we see, we will see evidence of God's great power. God's great power in creating the world good. So we have just seen how God is a powerful, powerful creator. Next we'll see how God is a wise creator. God has an order in creation. God has an order in creation. So we see we see that in the last bit of each day. So for example, in verse 19, it says, And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. In verse 23, And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. In verse 31, There was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So there's uh, some sequence in creation. Things happen step by step by step. There's an order. It happens day by day by day. God didn't create everything randomly. Uh, everything wasn't created suddenly. There's an order in creation. God is an orderly God. How does order show God's wisdom? How does this order show God's wisdom? Well, th- think about it with me. God must create the world before God creates the inhabitants. Okay, so uh, from verse 
3 to verse 13, God is creating the world. From verse 14 to 31, God is creating the inhabitants. Okay, so let me uh, illustrate it for you. Okay, so one, this is actually creation day, okay? Uh, it's not some like lucky draw thing. Yeah. Okay, so what did God create on day 4? What did God create on day 4? Uh, let's look at verse 16. Is it light? What is it? Look carefully. Okay, God created... Okay, let me read verse 16 for us. God created two great lights. The greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. So on day four, day four, God created... God created the luminaries to give light. God created the sun, uh, the moon, and the stars to give light. And what did God create on day one? God created light. Yes, correct, correct. Yeah. So on day one, God created light. Day four, God created the bodies that give light. Okay, how about day five? Let's look at verse 20. You see what verse 20 says? Okay, what did God create on day five? Okay, let me read it for us. And God said, let the waters teem with living creatures. Let the birds fly across the earth, uh, above the earth, across the vaults of the sky. On day five, God created the fish and the birds. Yeah, the fish and the birds. Okay, I, I chose clip art because I realized they come out clearer. Yeah. So, but, yeah, so God created the fish and the birds on day five. And when did God create the worlds for day, for the fish and the birds to live? Which day? Second day, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So God created uh, the, the worlds for the fish and the birds to live on the second day, when God created the waters and the sky. And on, this, and on day six, God created the land animals and men. Land animals and men. Yeah. And when did God create the world for them to live in? Well, this is the last one, like day three. Yeah, day three. When God created, when God pushed, uh, commanded the water to go back, God created land for them to live in. Okay, so this shows kind of God's order in creation. Let me now show you how this order shows that God is a wise God. So in God's orderliness, He always makes sure that, uh, the, that the worlds yeah, that this, the first three days, this, the worlds are always created before uh, the inhabitants. God always creates the worlds before the inhabitants. Okay, so this order tells us that God is wise. So let's say, right, let's say, uh, let's say God made a mistake. Lah. Let's say, okay. Let's say that God forgot to create land. Okay, then where would, where would human beings live? Where would animals live? In the sea. Yeah, we, <laughs> we all live in the sea. And we will, I mean, we, we can't live in the sea. We all drown, right? Yeah, so if, if, we, if God missed out day three, God didn't create land, if God wasn't wise, God made everything randomly, then you and I can't survive. You and I will drown. All land animals will drown. And there will be nowhere for us to live. So creation shows us God's wisdom. Creation shows us God's wisdom. So wisdom means that you and I, we can trust God 
We can trust God that He knows what He's doing. He is wise. We can trust that this God will do the wisest thing all the time for, for us. And friends, God has given us His wisdom. God has given us His wisdom in His Word, the Bible. We can trust that His Word is true. We can trust what He says. We can believe what the Bible says in our lives. We can trust God's wisdom for our lives. So now we've seen how God is powerful, how God is wise, how God creates the world, and then God creates the inhabitants all by His commands. And all this leads up to the high point of His creation, the very, very last thing that He made. And that is man. So now we are moving from the God part to the man part. And now we are the man part. So what did this powerful and wise creator God make us for? What's the point in creating us? What's the point in making man? This passage tells us that God created man differently for all the inhabitants. God created man in his image. And that's what we sung earlier. But let's see what the Bible says about it. Take a look at uh, verse 26. You see what verse 26 uh, says? Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. In verse 27, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. But what does that mean? What does it mean to be made in God's image? Well, it means two things. Being made in God's image means two things. Firstly, it means that we, the image, must represent the original. We must represent God, who is the original. We are made to represent God to the world. Let me read the rest of verse 26. So verse 26 again. Let's make man in our image, in our likeness. Okay, why? So that, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. You see, friends, we have a very special place in creation. No other creature has this role. God made you and I to rule the inhabitants in God's world under God's, as God's representatives. So we rule the world uh, as, perhaps another way to put it, as God's regional directors. Yeah, really, really. So as God's regional directors, uh, we rule the world the way God wants. Yeah, so one way to think about it is, uh, uh, think about Uniqlo. Yeah. Right, really, really. Okay, so as you know, right, uh, Uniqlo is from Japan and he has many uh, different, and has a few offices in different countries. So each uh, Uniqlo office is run by a regional director. So this regional director uh, has to run his Uniqlo office in that country the way that the CEO wants him, wants him to do so. So that means to run the Uniqlo office in his country, he must Let's say for, uh, to run the Uniqlo office in Singapore, he must know what his boss in Japan wants, what the CEO in Japan wants. So he must have like a very, very close relationship with the CEO in Japan. He cannot decide, okay, um, well, I think handphones is the next, way, next place to go, so let's make handphones. Then you have Uniqlo handphones. 
or he decides, okay, you all have, uh, we have Uniqlo clothes. Why not let's expand into washing those clothes? Let's expand into washing machines and wash those clothes. Well, see, he can't do that. You see, he must run Uniqlo in Singapore the way that the CEO in Japan wants him to run it. He must have a good relationship with, with that CEO in Japan. Similarly, for us, ruling God's world as God's regional, regional directors means that you and I, we must have a special relationship with God, our CEO. We must have a special relationship with our CEO, God. So the only way that we can rule the world God wants is to have a special relationship with God. Now, friends, ruling the world doesn't mean that I exploit uh, its resources for my own benefit. That means I, I don't abuse the world. Ruling the world means that I care for the world that God has made, that God has entrusted to us. It means that we care for the world the way God wants. So that's the first aspect of the image of God, being God's representatives to the world. Here's the second aspect of being uh, the image of God. Being in the image of God uh, it means that we are relational, just as God is relational. Okay, so this point is slightly more complicated, so uh, you need to listen quite hard to this. Okay, so in this passage, in Genesis chapter 1, we see that God, we see God relating to the uh, other parts of himself. Let's look at verse 26 again. Verse 26, God says, what does God say? Let's, let me, let me make man in my image. No, God says, let's us make man in our image, in our likeness. You see what it says? God here is addressing himself in plural. God is addressing himself, but he's addressing himself in plural. That means God is plural. So God wasn't alone at creation. There was, God wasn't alone at creation. Verse 2 tells us that God's spirit was hovering over the waters. God's spirit was there. And another passage in the Bible, uh, in John, it says that Jesus was there at creation. Let me read uh, this passage for us. In the beginning was the Word, or was Jesus. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made. It means all of creation was made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. See, you see, friends, God, Holy Spirit, Jesus, it's all God. And all three of them, uh, God, Holy Spirit, Jesus, all existed before time started. And at the beginning, these three, these three parts of God, the three parts of Godhead, were all relating to each other as they created the world. These three parts of Godhead were relating to each other as he created the world. God is relational. And as God is rela relational, humanity is relational. Humanity is relational. That's why verse 27 tells us that God, uh, it said, the second phrase is, um, or the last phrase, male and female, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So God created us relational too. There is male and female in humanity, in humanity to relate to one another. So we need to relate to one another. We need to relate to each other as we, as we re represent God to the world. 
We need to relate to each other as we rule the world as God's regional directors, under God's authority. We need to relate to each other as we rule the world together. We need each other. So that's what being the image of God means. Firstly, uh, we represent God to the world. Secondly, we, we are relational just as God is relational. So now we have seen God's great power and great, God's great wisdom in creating the world. And now and we see how God created man to rule the world under God's authority. Now God's world is complete. Every piece of the jigsaw is in place. Every, every piece works. Every piece was good. Every piece works as God intended. So what is God's overall evaluation of his complete creation with all the jigsaw pieces put together, of all the good things God created? What's God's evaluation? Very good. Yeah, very good. Verse 31 says, God saw all, uh, all that he had made and it was very good. It was very good. It was all very good. Creation was very good. There was no area of concern. After putting all the different good pieces together, the overall picture uh, is very good. It's not like I don't know, some uh, football teams, right? You try to buy the best players, but in the end, all the best players cannot play with themselves, right? <laughs> but this is not this is not the case here. See, when God creates all the good pieces together, puts all the good pieces together, it's all very, very good. But why are there so many repeated phrases uh, throughout? I mean, I, when, when Mickey was reading, I'm sure you noticed, right? Yeah, I mean, the repeated phrases, God said, and it was so, God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning the next day. So if I were to write uh, Genesis 1, let's say the Nicholas version, so the NV version, so you might envy me. Yeah, so uh, if I were to write Genesis 1, I might say, verse, I might just put verse 1, right? In the beginning, uh, God created the heavens and the earth. I'll skip the rest. I'll move on to, oh yeah, I'll move on to uh, chapter 2. And why is that like, the need to go on to all the different aspects? Why, why is it need to repeat uh, the phrases so many times? Well, friends, the big reason to repeat the phrases over and over and over again is to show God's God. To show, to show that God is a powerful creator. It's to show that God is a wise creator. You see, God's creation didn't happen just one time. Not just two times. Not just three times, not even three times, but six times over and over and over again. We see God creating, we see God creating powerfully by His word. We see God ordering creation over and again, over and over again. God creating things just by His word. So each day in creation already proves that God is like super, super powerful, super, super wise. Put all six days together, so God is like infinitely more powerful than anything we can, we can imagine. And this is very different uh, from what we know today and what people know knew in that day. Today, what we think of God is, we might not even think of God as a powerful being. And uh, But Genesis 1 shows us the complete opposite. Genesis 1 shows us God is powerful and God is wise. And for the people in those days, uh, they have very different image of, of God. So there was this uh, ancient religion, ancient religion in Babylon. This religion said that in the beginning, 
Uh, it's a bit like uh, Thor. So Kali and I watched Thor last night. So in the beginning, uh, there are different gods uh, fighting one another. So uh, there was a great cosmic war. They fought, and the bodies of the dead gods uh, were used to create the world. So for them, uh, the, the world was birthed out of great conflict, out of conflict with many gods. It wasn't good. And humanity uh, was created not, not, to run, not to rule the world under the gods' authority, uh, but to till the earth uh, so that you can feed the gods, so the gods can be lazy and slack off or something. You see, their, their version of creation, their version of Genesis is so far from the truth about who God is. Genesis 1 tells us about how one God, how one God is the powerful and wise creator. How God is that powerful and wise creator. How God created the world good. And God created man to represent him to the world as his image. So you see, getting Genesis 1 right is absolutely, absolutely vital to knowing who God is. So as I said, in those days, the, re- the reason to doubt God's power, God's wisdom, is to believe in another religion, is to believe in false, false religion. Today, uh, there is one more uh, reason to doubt uh, God's, uh, to believe, uh, to doubt God's uh, creation, to doubt Genesis. That way uh, is evolution. So evolution is a theory that uh, everything, all creatures, you and I, uh, birds, trees, plants, were all created from a single organism uh, millions and millions and millions of years ago. And the rest of creation uh, happened by chance, happened, for, happened by natural selection. So natural selection is uh, the survival of the fittest. So the, the lousier creatures like, they die off or get eaten up or something. So for many people, uh, if evolution is true, if evolution is true, then God didn't create the world. Genesis 1 didn't happen. If evolution is true, Evolution created the world. So did, did evolution disprove God's power and wisdom? Or put it more severely, did evolution kill God? No, it didn't. Evolution didn't kill God. Genesis 1 uh, doesn't explain, doesn't tell us exactly how God created the world. Genesis 1 here, what we see in the Bible, is picture language. It's a picture of God's great power and great wisdom. Then, and that he creates everything in an orderly way. So evolution doesn't contra- contradict uh, Genesis 1. Genesis 1 is trying, uh, trying to answer a different question from evolution. Genesis 1 is trying to answer the who question. Who created the world? Evolution is actually trying to answer a different question. The question is, how was the world created? So you see, the who question and the how question don't contradict. So God could have used evolution to create the world. God could have used evolution to create the world. Okay, so let's say, okay, uh, so Erica, help me with this. So uh, anyone knows what, what's this? Okay. Yeah, 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 $2.50, yeah. Okay, so this is... Uh, Okay, let me. Okay, this is uh, chicken wing from KFC. Yeah, Cole already. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it costs two two dollars fifty cents. If, if you need to know. Yeah. Okay. So, okay, let me use the evolution questions to fit to try to uh, explain this. Okay. So the how question is, 
How did this crispy, finger-licking good piece of chicken happen? How? Okay, so you might, you might say, so the answer is, uh, put 11 herbs, secret herbs and spices together in the right proportion and throw in the chicken and put it all in the fryer at the right temperature and at the right amount of time. And there you go. How you get a KFC. Okay, but the who question is very different. Who question is very different. Who question is asked, who created this crispy, finger-licking good fried piece of chicken? And the answer is Colonel Sanders. Okay, or you, yeah, the answer is Colonel Sanders. So you see, both answers are different. So one says 11 herbs and spices, one says Colonel Sanders. Both answers are different, but, but both answers are true because both answers are answering uh, different questions. Let me put this behind so I don't distract you. Yeah. Okay, so both answers are answering different questions. So similarly, evolution is trying to answer the how question. So what scientists do is that they look at the fossils to see how life developed. See the how, how life developed. How the world was created. They try to look at the planets to see how the stars are moving, to see where it all started at the first, at day zero. So evolution, science is trying to answer how. But Genesis 1 is answering a different question. Genesis 1 is answering who. Who created the world? What kind of powerful and wise God created the world? You see what I mean? So let's say if we mix up uh, these two, uh, the, an the answers and the questions together, okay? So let's say we, uh, we take evolution to answer the, the who question. Let's say we take evolution to answer the who question. What does it mean for KFC? Okay. So it means that the, if I say, if I say, uh, who created KFC and I say, it wasn't Colonel Sanders, it was 11 herbs and spices. Will you believe me? Okay, so I guess you don't believe me. Yeah, you see, evolution and, and Genesis 1 are answering two different questions. One is asking who, the other is asking how. If you take, if you take evolution to answer the who question, what you get is something inconceivable, something you, you, that doesn't quite make sense in today's world. So evolution and Genesis 1 can be both true at the same time. That's why there are many biologists today who believe that, uh, believe in both evolution and God. I think that's, uh, that's right too. Both can be true at the same time. God could have used evolution to create the world. So let me uh, wrap up what we have seen today. So today we have seen what a powerful and uh, wise creator God we have. So he shows his great power in creating everything good just by speaking, just by giving commands. And God shows his great wisdom by ordering creation, by making things uh, in sequence. So Genesis 1 uh, tells us why God made us. To rule the world as, as God's image, as God's representatives under God's authority. So how should we respond to this powerful God? What does this first passage mean for us today? How should we respond to this God who created everything? Have a good relationship with this God. Have a good relationship with this God. It's only by having a good relationship with this God then can we be representatives, can we be His representatives to this world? So friends, how are you doing as God's representatives? How is your relationship to God? How is your relationship with God? 
So for some of us, this relationship isn't good. For some of for others, this relationship, maybe there isn't a relationship. Maybe there isn't. But friends, there is a way to fix this. There is a way to fix this. Many, many years later, after day zero, after many days, many years after creation, Jesus came to earth to give us a relationship with God, to fix our relationship with God. So, uh, reading again from John chapter 1, now this is verse 12, it says, Yet to all who receive him, him Jesus, to all who believe in his name, Jesus' name, he gave the right to become children of God. Friends, you can have a right relationship with God. Come back. Come back to this God. Come back to this God by receiving and believing in Jesus. Receive and believing in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Stop living your own way and believe in Jesus. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for everything that you've made, everything they have made, and it is all good. And we thank you for making us uh, to rule the world under your authority. We pray, Lord, that uh, as we think about our own relationships with you, uh, please challenge us, uh, please uh, show us where our relationship isn't good. And I pray, Lord, that uh, we will trust in Jesus uh, to fix that, to fix uh, our relationship. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, friends, uh, now it's time for uh, for you to uh, ask me ask me questions about this passage. So this passage is like really, really big. So uh, I, I, I don't expect to, have, I don't think I covered everything that can be said about this passage. So uh, if you have any questions, uh, you can uh, just, uh, yeah, okay, ask them now. The question is, uh, what does it mean to represent God uh, to have dominion over all? To be his regional directors. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm. Okay, we will see a little bit of that uh, in, in the next chapter. A little bit of that. Uh, so what, what God created uh, what God created man to do uh, is to care for care for the creation he has made. So uh, when God created man, when God created Adam, he put him put Adam in in a garden, Garden of Eden, and God was and Adam was supposed to uh, take care of that garden, was supposed to keep that garden. Yeah, yeah. So for us, you mean what does it mean for us today? Is it to be gardeners. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, what it means for us today, it means that you and I are still still are involved in. Uh, Keeping in ruling over God's world, and the way the way we do it isn't necessarily to be uh, gardeners. The way we do that, the way we rule the world, is to uh, do our jobs. The way that we do that is to do our jobs. So what I mean is, what I mean is that uh, for some of us, for a lot of us, we, we are involved in jobs that uh, let's say they add to society, they contribute to society. So for example, Minkin makes aeroplanes, right, to help. <laughs> To help uh, people fly, yeah, fly uh, to different places. So if that, so, uh, as, so for him, it means that he has to do his job well. Yeah, he's make sure that his aeroplane doesn't like I don't know go missing or something, or drop drop into the sea. Yeah, that also means that 
for let's let's say for Keith, right? Keith makes clothes. So it means that Keith has has to make uh I mean clothes that that don't fall apart so quickly, I think. Yeah, it means that he has to make good clothes. It means that he works hard at doing that. Yeah, but this this also means, right, uh that you cannot it means that there are some jobs that actually don't uh add to society. There are some jobs that actually uh, take away from society. So for example, uh I could think of maybe a, a terrorist, right? By bombing uh, different places, uh, you're actually taking away from society. Or maybe uh, being a prostitute, you earn money by s- selling your body, but actually you are damaging society. So we rule, uh, we, we are God's, the way that we are uh, regional directors is uh, we, we, do our, we do our jobs to add to society well. And I understand some of you might be students. Uh, so if you are a student, it means that you study well. So that you, when you when you start work, uh, you can add to society. Oh yeah, it, yeah, adding to the enterprise of knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Through, through your research, uh, you're helping people to know more about know about what needs to be known. Yeah, know more about knowledge. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Good question. Yeah. Yes, Elias. Apun, you got any question? Okay. You, you got a question? Or? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How are all these recorded down? Okay, so when, when Genesis 1 was written, uh, it wasn't written, like there wasn't someone there to write down. Uh. Okay, uh, I, uh, I made, that, made that really clear. There wasn't a scribe, a uh, to to write down everything that happened. So what what uh, is yeah what what is possibly what was the the best uh, thing that we can think about for for Genesis one is that uh, God told Moses yeah God told Moses so when when so Moses uh, in the Bible as you know as uh, some of you will know uh, he went to speak with God face to face and the uh, for the Jewish tradition Moses was the one who wrote down. Uh, the first five books of the Bible, including Genesis. Yeah. So, uh, we do think that it's, poss- it's possible that Moses uh, wrote it down. Yeah. Uh, but the bigger proof, right, that we know that all this happened uh, isn't isn't just like we think that Moses wrote it down, but because someone, even though I said there was no scribe on day zero, but someone was at day zero and that person came, uh, came to earth. And that person is Jesus. So, that's why I read John chapter 1, uh, verse 1 to 3. We, we saw that Jesus was there at day zero. Jesus was there at creation. And he, uh, he, came, he came to tell us about it. And he came to bring us new life. Yeah. So I, so I think the big assurance that we have, right, that, that Genesis is true, is Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Okay, next one. Oh, you want to come back on... Then how about the dinosaurs? What about it? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Before. Yep. Yep. 
Ja, ja. Ja, ja. So the Bible doesn't tell us, uh, it doesn't have the term dinosaurs. Ja, ja. Yeah. Uh, the Bible doesn't tell us uh, what, whether man uh, coexisted with dinosaurs. Yeah, well, what Genesis does tell us is that, uh, as, we, as, as I said earlier, this uh, whole uh, whole account, Genesis chapter 1, is a picture language, so it's like imagery. So it, it's, uh, it's, poss- it's, probably, I, I, it's probably possible that man existed with dinosaurs, but Genesis 1 doesn't, doesn't say that. And it's also possible that man, uh, dinosaurs existed before man. Yeah, but Genesis one doesn't doesn't say that. So uh, from Genesis one, I I don't have a, an answer for that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, correct. You're right. You heard you heard rightly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. This is that's a very very big question. Uh, one ex- one explanation which I've read, uh, which I which I think is po- is quite is quite very possible plausible, uh, is the Big Bang. Any of you heard of Big Bang? Okay, so the not not the TV show, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But Big Bang um, says that there's creation, uh, the whole universe uh, started in in like one point, at a, at a one singular point. Okay. But at, so it means so Big Bang means that uh, at that one single point something happened, and there's a there was like a big cosmic like explosion uh, or big bang. So now that everything is like moving outwards, outwards from that single point. So according to this Big Bang theory, uh, it's very possible that at that at that Big Bang, when it, during the explosion there was a great deal of light that happened. Yeah. So it is possible for uh, the the Big Bang to happen before the sun was the sun was created. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, very good questions. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, so as, as I said, a god could have used evolution to create the world. Um, the question is, did humans come from apes? Do humans come from apes? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Genesis chapter two uh, quite clearly tells us uh, that God created man uh, from from the earth, like from dust. Yeah. Yeah. See, actually, actually there, are, there are many flaws in uh, evolution that I didn't didn't quite talk about. So, one of the flaws is uh, one of the one of the difficulties that that I find is how how did life start? Right, evolution can't answer that. So, so for example, right, uh, evolution can explain like, how atoms became molecules, how molecules became like longer strings of molecules, how longer strings of molecules became like proteins, right? But evolution cannot explain 
what caused the proteins to have life? Yeah, what caused the proteins to uh, come together and I mean and have life? And what 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 helped the first protein survive so it didn't get like uh, eaten up or something? Oh, it didn't get destroyed. Yeah. So there's a uh, there's still a lot of things in evolution that uh, there's still a lot of questions that evolution can't answer very well. Yeah. So especially about life. Yeah.